0: This week's extra is a little different. First of all, it has an ending. Second, I'd consider it to be a happy ending, but that's open for discussion. This is Vice and Villainy, reporting on the criminal and mysterious, we are your source for the stories that shape your world. And now, this week's story. Several years ago, in the city of Erebar, located where the Golden Road and Emerald Way meet in Chandath, a woman named Kara Reamer began one of the worst strings of bad luck of which I've ever heard. But first, let's go back a step and paint a picture. Kara Reamer is a human woman in her early 50s. She's quiet, polite, and reserved, but when she calls you her friend, a fierce loyalty exudes from her. Her eyes are a dulling blue and her hair a graying red, but her smile is genuine and full of youth. She's a dedicated family woman, working as a healer's assistant to supplement her husband's meager income as a guard for the city jail. She has two adult children, and to her chagrin, no grandchildren yet. She lives a simple, happy life, and in what little free time she has she enjoys painting birds in the city enamored by the juxtaposition of the wild and the man-made. She cooks, cleans, and keeps her home running without complaint or contempt. She's content and considers herself lucky given the station of so many other people in her city. So when her husband of 21 years begins disappearing for days at a time, It comes as a surprise when asked he merely states that he was out but never specifies where he comes home obviously drunk his demeanor gets worse and worse and Kara begins to worry that he's cheating on her she discovers something much worse one day while going through the loose floorboard where they keep their savings Kara finds it empty what once had several hundred gold pieces is barren So, too, is her jewelry box. And the silver cup left to her by her mother when she passed is also missing. When questioned, her husband dodges or disappears for a few days, refusing to acknowledge her at all. A week goes by without sight or sound of him. Kara is trying to hold things together, but the stress is heavy and she's carrying it alone. She's able to work and still does her job well, but it's apparent that she's burdened and her eyes cannot hide the panic she feels inside. When she returns home that evening, a man that isn't her husband is waiting outside their house. He's well-dressed and upon seeing her approach, never breaks eye contact with Kara. Something about that triggers an instinctual fear in her, and just as she is about to break stride and turn around, he speaks. Your husband has not been seen in several days. He has commitments he needs to honor. I shall not burden you, ma'am, but merely to ask that if you do see him, to tell him he needs to speak to the halfling. After which he politely departs, leaving Kara with more questions, more stress, and still no answers. At 3 a.m., Kara is awakened by a rattling of her front door. Alarmed, she grabs a fireplace poker on her way to the window. Peeking out around the curtain, she's both relieved and terrified to see her husband, horribly drunk, unable to get his key in the lock. Opening the door, she's met with a wave of smell of alcohol and body odor as he stumbles in, tripping on a rug and falling, hitting his head on a table before passing out on the floor. Knowing she needs answers, Kara pulls up a chair and patiently waits for the morning to come. Going over all the things she wants to say, coming up with plans, changing them, rephrasing things, telling herself how strong she is, finally settling on something, believing in herself. It wasn't the sunlight or the hard floor that woke him. It wasn't the smell of eggs and bacon either. Only when a warm sensation wet his clothes did he begin to stir rolling from his stomach to his back. Opening his eyes, seeing Kara above him, he sighed deeply before speaking. He came clean and told her everything. The drinking, the gambling, the debt, the threats, the shame, the anger, the cycle. Yet he was never remorseful. And a strange arrogance tinged his words even when admitting to running through their savings, selling Kara's jewelry, and losing her mother's silver cup in a Dragon Dice game. All of her anger wanted to spill out, to overwhelm and surround him. She wanted her words to break him down, piece by piece, until only his shriveled black heart remained. But everything she planned to say, all the self-assurance, all the overcoming herself, was taken away when he got up and left, leaving her yet another mess to clean. A week later, a letter arrived for Kara. It bore the mark of Lissandro LaFere, a local lawyer. Her husband was filing for a divorce, but that isn't what left her heart pounding through her chest, echoing through the room, reverberating in her eardrums. In the letter, the lawyer explained that as Kara's husband had lost his job and she was still working, he was entitled to half of her income. Additionally, she was also responsible for his debt. It was a loophole in the law, but was the law nonetheless. Trying to catch her breath, she realized quickly that she couldn't afford to continue to work. She'd have to quit her job and hope the city government would be able to take care of her. A completely backwards situation, yet one a court of law would uphold. The impact hit her like an aurochs. Kara wasn't sure what to do, but felt herself slipping. Seeing no other way out, she spoke with the healer she worked with and found a temple of Illmater that would take her in, help her cope, help her heal her mind. So for a month she would be away, out of contact, but protected. Needless to say, her colleagues were flabbergasted. Never had they heard anything like this, nor could they believe a law like this could still exist. They petitioned the city council through letters and tried to gain an audience with them, but no letters were ever written back and no audience was ever granted. Growing angry, the religious amongst them prayed to their deities for intervention, for help. One day, while praying out loud at a shrine to tear, one of Kara's colleagues was overheard seemed her prayers were received, for as she was turning to leave, another woman approached her. Resplendent and full-plate male adorned with a set of scales on the breastplate, flowing purple cape and hair so golden it appeared to be light itself, she introduced herself as Emmeline Marusk. She explained she heard the woman's prayer and was urged to act, that something inside her was obligated to help. Emmeline asked the woman to explain more, to hear Kara's story, and with each turn, each hurt inflicted upon Kara, Emmeline's demeanor began changing—from peaked interest to disbelief to head-shaking sorrow. She finally landed on anger once the lawyer's loophole was explained. Closing her eyes for a moment, Emmeline offered a silent prayer to tear. After which, the anger dissipated from her expression, being replaced with a determined stoicism most apparent in her clenched jaw. Placing a hand on the woman's shoulder, Emmeline offered a prayer for Kara. Near the end, she pulled the woman in close and whispered in her ear, The laws of man and laws of God differ. Some of us are called upon to remind the arrogant and self-aggrandizing of this. Your friend's plight won't end as an injustice. Stay close with Kara and be patient the gods' timetables are impossible to comprehend. Letting go of the woman, Emmeline turned and walked away, her stride full of purpose. The woman immediately began heading for the Temple of Ilmater, excited to tell Kara about Emmeline, hoping it would lift her spirits. And so it did. Lifting her head, tears streamed down her face, thankful that she had friends who cared for her in this way. The sorrowful weight she carried appeared to lessen slightly with each tear shed, the corners of her mouth curling into a smile as she embraced her friend. With this hope, Keris' spirit improved, and after a couple of weeks, she returned home. A few days later, a letter was delivered, once again from the office of Lissandra LaFere. Her chest tightening, she gently broke the seal, unfolding the letter while expecting everything to come crashing down once again. But that didn't happen this time. The letter outlined that the divorce was no longer being contested, that Kara would not be responsible for supporting her husband or his debts. and that she wouldn't have to quit the job she loved and live off the city. Most importantly, she would be free from her husband, free to be herself, just free. Every few months for about a year, Kara would inquire into her ex-husband's whereabouts. No one could recall the last time they saw him, and none expressed dismay at that. She also spent some time looking for Emmeline, to thank her for whatever she did, but she too was nowhere to be found. Some nights, while laying in bed, Kerwood let her imagination run wild with possibilities. Emmeline intimidating him, a debt collector calling him in, Tear himself coming down. Soon, These thoughts became infrequent, eventually disappearing from her mind completely. She had a new life before her, with innumerable possibilities, and she was ready to begin exploring them. Please join our Discord and share what you know. We even have a channel where you can remain anonymous, protecting your identity. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at ViceVillainyPod. Vice and Villainy is a CLDG production. Thanks for listening. This is Corey. You can find me on Twitter at dndiapers underscore.